0: Hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Building Your Permaculture Property. Tonight, I have the absolute pleasure to be chatting with uh, one of my friends, Tad Hargrave. And uh, t- I, I came across Tad probably four, four years ago, four or five years ago. And um, one of my colleagues, uh, Rob Avis, uh, you know, I just started working with, uh, with, with Rob at his, at Verge Permaculture, and, uh, you know, we were kind of starting up our, our farm direct marketing business at the time, and I was having just a ton of, of struggles trying to sell my stuff, and I wasn't sure what to charge, and, you know, I was dealing with all these, these questions like, you know, how do I, you know, make my food affordable for people, but also make a living? And just really grappling with, you know, the, you know, if, if I'm, if our farm is profitable, then that means I'm a bad person. And just kind of all of these, these really, uh, you know, deep and damaging, <laughs> uh, limit, limiting beliefs. And, uh, you know, I, Rob had been my mentor at that, at that time, you know, coaching me through a bunch of stuff. And one day he's like, he's like, dude, just, you got to check out Tan Hargrave stuff, you know, Mark marketing for hippies. And, uh, I think it was like that night I, I was, I went on, you know, your website and, and, uh, you had this, this great little video offer. It was like a, you know, recorded video of, um, uh, like a bundle of some of the different courses that you've done over the years. And I, I watched, I stayed up to like one o'clock in the morning or something, watched everything that night. And it was just, it, it changed, uh, every, my, my entire worldview about, about business, about. Uh, my own kind of self-image. and uh, like there's just so many of these different things. And, and since and it's, it's really uh, kind of uh, it's, it's spread out to all these other aspects of my life that was uh, that I'd never expected to get from a course of like, how do I sell my stuff? <laughs> and, uh, and so my, my hope for, for bringing Tad on the, the podcast today is I'd, I'd love to just talk about some of his his philosophy about, um, you know, m- meaningful work and, um, you know, re- regenerative biz- businesses or basically or how people who, who have these deep values can still provide services to the world and, and, and actually make the world better. Um, but b- before we do that, I thought, Tad, I'll just I'd, I'd love to give I actually don't know your background story. Like so I'd love for you to kind of just introduce yourself and sure. what what got you into this space and and why why do you consider yourself the a hippie?
1: <laughs> well first I mean I define the term hippie pretty broadly with all due deference to the actual hippies of the sixties. But i um, you know, I went to a Waldorf school growing up. Um, you know, was very passionate and still I am about environmental issues.
0: And, you know, when
1: I say marketing for hippies, it's fine to help clients who are, well, they're probably into the holistic scene, maybe they're life coaches, permaculture people, and, and uh, are, are often alternatively, alternatively minded, the, the, the rainbow sheep, if you will, of their family. <laughs> and the, uh, I don't think I've ever said that before, I'm going to keep that one. Uh, and then the, you know, it's interesting, my story, um, I should just say, this is my take on my, on the story. Sure. There's probably a big story of my life and most of it I'm not aware of. And if you ask somebody else, they'd probably give you a different story. So this is just what I can recollect, uh, from, from my angle, uh, which is just very proper to say. So the thing that comes to me to say is I was sort of a hippie first, you know, I grew up in that Waldorf alternative school in kind of milieu. And then in high school, I got really into a lot of the Tony Robbins, personal growth, capitalism, hardcore, pushy, aggressive sales stuff, personal growth world. And then, then I ended up coming out the other side, back to the hippie thing because uh, I, I would say by the time I graduated high school, I really had this feeling of well, the system works if you work the system, that was my feeling. And then I started learning some things I thought, oh, okay, so the system has some significant challenges, but it's basically good, if we can just adjust those now to you know where I'm at, I'm just, oh my God, the thing that's rotten to the core and what the hell do we do about this? Yeah. And uh, very strange. I mean, I, I, I am the ironies of teaching, marketing, when my leanings are, I don't know if anti-capitalist is, it's a little too jingoey but it's deeply under persuaded about the merits of what has become this dominant society in the world and the direction it's going towards its technocracy and transhumanism. So I, I've been very Cagey about that. And yet here we are. uh, We need to pay the bills. We need to pay rent. Of course, none of us actually need money. We need food. We need a lot of things and money is not a human need. And yet for most of us, that's going to be one of the main strategies we use to get those things. And uh, so this, uh, of course, it brings up all sorts of troubles. But yeah, so, you know, I, I did that personal growth thing. I went back into the activist thing. I went to all the anarchist protests. know um and learn the truism of that old joke how many anarchists does it take to change a light bulb none anarchists can't change anything um you know we gotta laugh we gotta laugh but i um yeah you know i i really had that uh radical uh alignment and started a project called Youth Jams, bringing together leading young change makers and activists from around the world and heard enough stories that broke my heart. And it just had me question. And then I was really bereft because I still had this kind of nerdy fascination and interest in marketing. Uh, Something about it really, uh, I got, I seemed to understand. And one day I realized, wait a minute, a mom and pop shop, a local independent business, a massage therapist, a permaculture, this is not Monsanto there is a difference between a mega corporation and a a small local business. And um, I mean, could we make bigger changes to the economic systems and and even get rid of money? Maybe possibly sure, barter and trade, wonderful gift economy, I'm for it. And um, I just saw so many people struggling. And so I I would have these conversations with my friends who had great ideas, but terrible marketing in it. uh, Those conversations became this somehow.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, I, I, I really think that kind of captures the, um, I mean, that was my, my path to this as well. Uh, perfectly. Yeah. It's like, I, I would, I would have never, um, you know, considered myself, myself, someone who's passionate about, you know, business, business and, and how you know, the, I, 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 I can't remember if I heard it from you or, um, maybe it was somebody else, but it was this, this idea of like, that Rumi had, which was, um, you know, we're all just walking each other home. Mm. And, but then the idea was like business is like, and business is how we hold hands. It's like, like we're like, business is just a relationship and, Mm. and, 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 and marketing is a, is a way of communicating. It's a way, it's a way of educating people about what it is you do. and, and, um, just like the, the, the transformational aspect of, you know, one of the themes within permaculture is this idea of like turning the problem into the solution. Right. So it's like, if, if these Monsantos and, and, um, you know, the, the these, these mega corporations are, are causing all right. these problems, then it's like, it's up to us to, to, you know, solve the problem somehow. And, and the way to do that is to make them obsolete by offering yeah. better services and, and and understanding what people really do want, and um, yeah, just your your whole philosophy, and you can really feel that, like even though like I, I I had known that story about you and your kind of path to it, like you could in all the little you know videos and the tools that you've developed over the years, it's you can tell that there's that deep foundation of you care so much about this this subject.
1: Huh. Well, and something that came up as you were speaking this, this word marketing, you know, I, I will admit to having had an aversion for a long time, you know, there's something about it. As soon as it's, isn't it strange when we talk about sharing what we do, it's fine. As soon as we use the word marketing, it's, it's, it's trouble. Um, and maybe that's okay, but I'll offer this. It, this occurred to me a couple of years ago. I think I was in the UK and, and for what it's worth, this is my sense. So in language, there's such a thing called a nominalization. A nominalization is when you take a process and you turn it into a thing, into a noun. So you take the process of deciding, you turn it into a decision. Yeah, it's, um, and it's a nominalization, if I'm remembering this all correctly, because you can't put it in a wheelbarrow. It's not a real thing. You can't put a decision in a wheelbarrow. It's not physical, but the, the opposite can happen too. You can take a noun and turn it into a verb and uh, so, okay, so that, that's thought number one. Thought number two, I read, uh, maybe it was Michael Schumann, who's a brilliant author around local economics, wrote a book called Going Local, another one called The Small Mart Revolution. I think it was from him that I heard this, that they've done studies about how many conversations happen at a grocery store, let's say Safeway, Sobeys, Tesco, or depending yeah. where you are. and. Then they looked at farmers markets, and you know, and how many conversations happen. And of course, about ten times more conversations happen at a farmers market. Um, more people just know each other, uh, catching up with each other. So it's much more social. And if you go to, um, you know, in in London, England, God, they've got all these markets: the Borough Market, the Portobello Market. And when you go there, it's just we don't really have it the same way Kensington Market a bit in Toronto, but we fundamentally don't have that in Canada. kind of culture of of the the market but when you go to a farmer's market you can get a bit of a sense and if you close your eyes when you go there you can hear it and if i were to you know i don't kidnap you and bring you to a market you could probably the smells the sounds of it without even looking you can say i I think i'm at some kind of farmer's market or something totally just from the din and it's it's a beautiful delightful human um kind of din to it and this is an old tradition that's been going back a long time in humanity I mean mm-hmm. um, you know where communities would get together and the market where people would gather was a place where you would say basically here's what I've been up to since I saw you last yeah and you had the evidence because you'd made things you know it was all products and maybe a bit of fortune telling in the corner you know <laughs> uh, but the that was, the, that was the market. That was the place where people got together to share and to trade. And you know, no doubt it started informally and then had to become more formal as cities develop and all of this. But what I would say is that sound that you hear of the market, that's the sound of the market being itself doing what it does. If you could imagine the market as an organism, that's the sound it makes. A cow moves, and the market the market makes that sound. So another way to say it is, you know, when a dance expresses itself, it is dancing. When the market expresses itself, it is marketing. Mm-hmm. That's the sound it makes. Interesting. So that's what to me, what marketing is, is the market being itself. It's people getting together and sharing what they've come up with. Yeah. So to me, there's just something so beautiful about that sound. Uh, yeah. That's a sound I think we need more of in the world, not less of. We don't need more the sound of savon. <laughs> totally. Awkward silence and and music. It's we do it's
2: use it's
1: the sound Human. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. I mean, weird. you would know too if we took you to a girl. You could close. We, you in the, it's totally. And that's could. not. It's not a market. No, it's not a market because it's not us getting together to share with each other. Yeah. And so then the question becomes, okay, how do we do this in a way that meets two criteria? And so maybe the way I'll come to this is this. So I was, when I was in the UK, uh, well, in Europe in general, of course, the architecture is just so old and beautiful. And the the thing that staggers me the most always has been these archways, because you see these the two arches and they meet in the middle and there's that little uh, keystone uh, which holds it up. Mm-hmm. I get the straight part, the two columns going up, but then it curves and I always look at it's like how, logistically how, especially the big ones. How do they? I guess they must have had to have a frame and then. They... Anyways, it's magic. It's just magic and, and that keystone in the middle, that's marketing. So then, what what about these two sides? Well, you have to look down way at the bottom of those two sides, and there's some foundation stones they're built on. And the foundation stone on one side is uh, what I would call relationship. And the foundation stone on the other side is sustenance. And and the market is where those two things meet. And marketing is how they meet. Hmm. So when I say relationship, I'm talking about goodwill. I'm talking about it has to feel good Mm -hmm. That's what's so beautiful about a farmer's market. It feels good to be there. It feels good, hopefully, to have those conversations with the people. Mm -hmm. And when I say sustenance, I mean, it's got to work, both in that your product or service has to work, but the marketing has to work. It's gotta put food on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you take either one of those things out, you know, on the one side, you can have the marketing that feels good, but it's utterly fucking useless and nobody (laughs) buys anything. Or you can have marketing that feels terrible, but it works sort of technically and people buy, but everyone feels miserable on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're trying to do is build this archway that we can, um, you know, we could stand on one side of and the potential clients can stand on the other side of and we could invite them in. They could invite us out, but there's some threshold where there's a bit of distance and we meet and we get to know each other uh through those two things
0: yeah that's beautiful and 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 that 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 perfectly captures like that's what i feel now every time you know i drop off meat for my customers and like you know i i i I was going to a market for a little bit there in in the city like the farmer's market and maybe we can actually talk about that a a bit later is like kind of why farmers markets are kind of dying um -hmm. Um, but the, like when, so my primary way of delivering our farm products is I, I do, you know, I'll deliver a van load of stuff down to a parking lot in a, you know, Calgary or Edmonton or something. And all my customers meet me in this like shady alleyway. <laughs> and, uh, but it's like, it's, even though it's like, it's kind of like our own market, but like the feeling is just so exciting. Like all some of the best conversations that I've ever had have been, you know, in minus 30 weather, you know you know hopping back and forth while you know I'm, we're catching up with people that i haven't seen for you know six months or 12 months when they're getting their you know years worth of meat and i, I just i never thought i would i would ever get to that point and and what's what one of the reasons i want to have you on the show is like is there's this myth within kind of permaculture of like permaculture is about self-reliance that's the myth and uh, and, and bill malson himself explicitly says that that in none of his books does he ever use the word self-reliance yeah. because it doesn't work like it's it's kind of the same side of that that you know the the pillar you're talking about it's like it's it's all about interdependence and wow. um, and so there's this like a lot of people who are interested in permaculture are interested in it because they're caught up in this this machine of of capitalism and technocracy and it, and it they hate it and they want out and so they think that the solution is to just go out into the woods and build themselves a permaculture property and then sh- produce everything for themselves and not need anything ever again. And just, you know, build a moat around themselves. And like, first off, like it's, it's impossible. You can't do everything. And secondly, like, there's no quality of life in that. Like so much of, of life is the the connecting with other people, the sharing of needs and yields. Um, and so the, yeah, I just like maybe maybe you could riff riff for a bit. Like, why why is it that that people feel so guilty about, about offering whatever yield they have to the system that can provide sustenance to somebody else? Why is it that people have that sense of of you know it's 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 bad to exchange things or, or to offer my gifts to the world or that I shouldn't I shouldn't be fairly compensated for that or
1: it's boy, it's a good question. The truth is, I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine it's a little bit different for everyone. So anything I can say is going to be just a a, a, a generalization. But I, I'll, I can say an amen to it. I'll start with that. Is <laughs> uh, I see this a lot with my clients that there's a kind of what I would call collapsing. There's a yeah. People make themselves very small. I mean, literally, shoulders in, kind of mumble. You know what they do is apologizing. Don't take up a lot of space. Uh, really poor boundaries, and it's a very lose-win orientation to life. You, you win. Yeah, I lose. You win. It's yeah. good. Your it's needs matter more than my needs, and and I shouldn't um, really even be taking up this oxygen. And sorry about that. And you know, it, it's uh, this is kind of the victim. Yeah. posture which ends and you know you've got it because there's a lot of self-pity and then and eventually an immense amount of resentment yeah uh, this is also the realm of overgiving so uh, you know from an energy system standpoint this is not sustainable because you're putting out more than, than you're taking in and there's some sense that collapse is somehow a more noble orientation to life because the the if we can imagine uh, one one opposite of collapse would be posturing where one puffs oneself up, takes up a lot of space. You know, you just think about this guy in the White House right now, or in, in charge in the UK, and you know, whatever you think about their their politics or stances, it's that's all you need to know about posturing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a, the, it's the balloon that's ready to burst. It's swollen. Mm-hmm. It's um, so it's a very that's the other side of it. And we, I, you know, that's what I saw in the personal growth scene a lot is a ton of posturing. The, the perfect selfies, the, you know, isn't life great? And so I think for a lot of us, maybe on this, um, I don't know, more holistic green, you know, permaculture side, we look at the posturing and we can see through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, whether that's a blessing or an affliction, I don't know, but we can see through it. And we've come to learn, maybe in costly ways, that it's all bullshit, that it's all a mirage that those instagram stories it's appealing but some part of us knows it's fake yeah and and maybe we know because we tried it uh you know i've had a number of friends who decided well this collapsing thing isn't working so i'll try the posturing they did that and it felt so terrible and they felt so exposed and humiliated when it didn't work and they just ran back to the posturing (laughs) and so if you can imagine it's like it feels like a pendulum or a binary you're stuck in one or the other you're the victim or you're the perpetrator you're the you're the 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 wimp or you're the strong strong man you know and it's uh and I notice any anytime in life that we feel like we have only two choices that's not a choice that's a dilemma uh it's good to have more than two and so a third alternative that I'd offered and I heard about this from some colleagues in the state's uh, authentic world was their business and this idea of composure and composure is a I don't know. I think of like the Dalai Lama, or you can uh, Jane Goodall is somebody I spent time with, and she she's very much this. So whereas uh, posturing comes across clearly as the kind of overconfidence, a sort of arrogance, well, collapse comes across as a lack of confidence, and composure is a I wouldn't even use the word confidence. I'd say somebody who's comfortable in their own skin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a very win-win orientation to life. Hey. Let's see if we can figure out something. I win, you win, and if not, no deal. Yeah, no problem, and no pressure. It's okay. Not everything is going to be a fit, and that this becomes the fundamental orientation. You know, whereas collapsing is this hidden agenda of love me, and posturing has this hidden agenda of respect me. The, in my experience, composure just has this agenda of the truth. It seems to be the only agenda that really works. Yeah. Is I just want to know the truth of, is this the fit in terms of marketing and business? And certainly this hidden agenda of getting the sale, whether it's from a place of collapse or posture, I mean, so anyways, that's the kind of general formulation. But what I've seen is amongst our people, there's, there is a thought that collapse is the more noble way to go, Yeah, that people who are collapsed, at least we're nice, at least we're not mean, we're not arrogant, we're not full of ourselves. Uh you, but let's be very clear that uh, a lot of atrocities in the world have happened because of very nice people who couldn't stand up for themselves, who didn't have a spine. Mm-hmm. A lot of troubles in our personal lives have come from the similar root. There's nothing more noble about collapse uh, because collapse breeds this kind of bitterness if that is not the same, you know, I, I remember, you know, reading a lot of books or men's work when I was younger and, and you know, there, getting a real clear sense, there was some difference between somebody who was a, a good man and a nice guy, because the nice guy as a lot of women, have, you know, sadly had to discover the nice guy usually actually hates women.
2: Mm.
1: The nice guy is manipulative, mm. is secretly angry at uh, how he doesn't. Um, women aren't interested and so this is where you get the incel the involuntarily celibate you know crew on the internet full of vitriol towards women Hmm. Um, so that's where that can go Uh, ultimately the collapse is a kind of you hit a breaking point and I gave so much to this community and and just bitterness all the way through Hmm. whereas um, so anyways all that to say I'm just I'm not persuaded that collapse is somehow better than this posturing that we might see and judge so easily from the outside. Uh, but composure, I think, has a lot to recommend itself. It um, When you're around, this is the other thing, you know what, we know, it's clear, you're around somebody who's posturing, and man, that's a bad time, because <laughs> you can feel how fragile they are. You can feel the, oh god, they just need people fawning over them.
2: Yeah.
1: And but it's not a good time to be around people who are collapsing
2: no.
1: all the time, who are just like, oh, could you could you take care of my self-esteem? Could you just love me unconditionally? You know, the constant neurosis. That's not a fun time. But being around somebody who's in a place where they're composed and they've done the inner work and all, that's a pleasure. Oh man. You mm-hmm. just I, I can say this with Jane Goodall. Whenever she walked into a room, it's one of the few times in my life I've had experience. You could feel the whole room geared down. Mm-hmm. Everyone relaxed. Whenever I talk to her, I just instantly. Felt at peace. It was like she had this aura about her, and so, so that that's a possible thing. And so, boy, wow, that's a long way of answering the question. But no, is
2: that was, that was, that was- <laughs> I,
1: I think that the um, is that my computer? I think that is one second. I'm just going to turn this off. Um, yeah, the so I think there's generally just culturally. Uh, On on sort of our side of the the types of humans, these collapsers, it's just that's how it is. We just want to give it away. Why? Because we want people to love us. We want people to like us. And because we're so jaded and cynical about the posturing we see in the world. And so we imagine the only alternative is to flip, that we have to either submit to this posturing regime or rebel. But if you submit to it or you rebel, you're still controlled by it. Mm-hmm. You're still controlled by the exact same thing. And so this idea of let go, letting go of the agenda that people love you, letting go of the agenda that they respect you, and getting really um, focused on this agenda of the truth. And is it a fit in any interaction? Because the two words I would use for marketing is, is kind of relationship building and education. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And you know, the other thing I'd say is this, you're saying, yeah, this go it alone, build your own homestead. I see it too, the solo, solo entrepreneur doing everything by themselves, never asking for help, trying to market all on their own. When the most beautiful and frankly effective way to market is partnerships all, all day, all long. Yeah. You know, you you um, you know, even now in this conversation, um, you know, I'll be sharing this with my list so people would be introduced to you. You're sharing this with your people, so they're introduced to me. Uh, and with very little effort on both sides, we're now introduced to all these people. And this is how it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the best example of this, uh, perhaps the, the greatest example that's ever been given to humanity is, is uh, the Girl Guides. There's, you know, they sell those cookies door to door. And uh, I saw this photo and I was like, this is everything you need to know about what I would call hub marketing or partner marketing is the, the Girl Scout a girl, guy, she's got her uh, cookie stand set up right side, up, right outside of a weed shop. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's just wow. Th- there you go. It, Where do my people hang out? And then you it's go in, there.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's a kind of a partnership. It's a kind of a like, you know, you you know somebody's already done some heavy lifting, and so you 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 um, either go there or you make a formal arrangement with them. And, and, uh, and gosh, I mean, in permaculture, I, I know there's a lot said about this of how do you, you know, the three sisters and all this it grow mm-hmm. better together and certain businesses are gonna grow better together. Like, wait, your clients, by the time they finish with you, now they're ready for me. We should have some official way of making that transition. Mm-hmm. Oh, and hey, my clients, when they're done, they're ready for you. And, uh, oh, hey, I help my clients with this, but I don't help them with that. And you get what it would be a kind of robust ecosystem where uh, people are really happily referring and maybe for money, maybe not, depends on the situation. But it becomes this, and then you've got the market that we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah. You've got the, all these conversations like, oh, you know who you need to talk to is this person. And people are so happy to refer you to somebody that's not them, even though they're not making money because you know it's gonna go around yeah. versus when people get very uh, uptight and uh, territorial. It's understandable. It's just I don't think it's that helpful or that effective um, for the community or for the person.
0: No, no, I'd see like, and this is. I mean, I hope I hope people are are starting to realize that kind of the amount of of self work. You, you talked about how like you know you were re- you spent a lot of time interested in that kind of personal development stuff, but like so much of what you just said is is really about like being equanimous with yourself and, and, and doing that inner work before you go out in the world and offer whatever of your services, you, you have to know is like, like, are you a fake or are you just doing this to, to get people to like you? Is like, or is this, or is this thing, like a genuine service or product that, that people need and that they're excited about And because, and if they are, then you, you, like the better you can communicate it with the community, like the more it's going to help more people. And like, that's such a, um, a huge uh, paradigm shift for, uh, or at least it was for me when it, when it came to my, my marketing. And well, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought up the, the hub marketing stuff as well, because that's, that's really where, like, that's where all of my, um, I struggled for years trying to sell our stuff uh, on the farm. And I really, I, it was, took up 70% of my time. And, and I, I had like, even though I, I understood all this kind of like, I don't want to posture. I don't want to collapse. I spent all this work on my website and, and all this stuff, but like the, um, I still wasn't selling out and, and I knew I had great stuff, but as soon as I reached out to, like, I found some hubs, which were like, health food stores and things like that. Yeah. I was sold out within like two months. Like it was, it was insane. I couldn't believe how, how well it worked. And, and, the, but like but, more than that, it wasn't just about making money. It was like, I, I found the people mm. that, that wanted my stuff. And they were like, like I've had customers like c- cry like it, when they tell me about like how, how good our food is. And, mm. and like, I get <laughs> like some of my customers, they'll, they'll write me like, you know, two page letters about how like our foods changed like, like just so amazing. I never could have thought it was possible. Whereas before I was like trying to dance in between this, like you know, um, it's like, if, if you're a fit for everybody, you're a fit for nobody. I don't know if that's yeah. one of your principles, but, um, and then, but as soon as I was like, no, this is what I want, this is who I am. This is where I'm strong and, and, and you know, quantumist. Now, can I, f- where are the people that are on the kind of the same level as me? Or what do I have to do to, to get them up to that point? And if not, then it, like maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe I'm offering something people don't want. And that was some of the other things that I loved about this marketing was realizing that my business model was way too complicated and right. that I needed, to, I needed to actually learn what it was people wanted from me. And so like, that's where like, the, if, if you get stuck between that false dichotomy of like, you know, love me or respect me versus just like, no, this is, this is, this is who I am. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And how, how, can we, how can we work together? It's just, it, um, yeah, it's just like a complete game changer for me.
1: It was for me, too. I mean, it's, you know, because I, I had to come across this stuff myself. Yeah, When I first started, it was all the pushy, manipulative stuff. And and so I remember hearing each of these pieces that have become a part of my my uh, core repertoire, I guess, or, or curriculum. And I remember the immense relief every single time I heard one of them uh, and how it, it changed everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this idea that, we can be everything to everybody. I mean, I suppose is uh, inculcated into us in this culture at a very young age, um, the trying to please everybody. And I'll just say this is particularly true for women in in the dominant culture, the kind of overgiving, the people-pleasing, uh, you know, for, for all sorts of legitimate reasons. And it's... This this notion that you could just make everyone happy if you just gave enough, <laughs> you had, had a enough personality, and in fact, the reason they don't love you is you must have held something back. So you go back <laughs> and give more. Um, it's it's not that's not healthy. You know that's that's I don't, is codependence the right word? I don't know, but it, it's um, there's something, yeah. you know, it's like that. <laughs> That old book, The Giving Tree, just, dear God, (laughs) that's not a model of a healthy (laughs) anything. Um, So, but we, we get these messages a lot that that's the joy of life is giving and giving. And oh, did we mention giving? And trying to please everybody versus an understanding of, well, in an ecosystem, nothing in the ecosystem does everything. Everything has a certain function. It plays a certain very particular role. And even this word niche, you know, comes from the French verb "nicher," which means to make a nest. And so it's it's this idea of niching. You're just trying to figure out where do you belong? Where are you going to put your nest Mm -hmm. on the on the ground? Yeah. Uh, This height. At this height. Uh, Where exactly? On a cliff edge? You. We're all going to belong in different places. And this is so much of the the role of business. You know, because I would say it's not like a In my mind, it's not go work on yourself and then do the business. It's that um remember I took karate, you know, you you when I was a kid, you go to the dojo and that's where you work this stuff out. And and so that's a lot of what the business can be if you let it be, is a is a merciless dojo. Yeah. You know, where you're 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 just getting worked and it never gives you a break. Uh, but every once in a while it gives you a little a little thumbs up that you're on track. Um, and and you get to, you do get to confront a lot of the the cultural programming, and that's this is important to say. This is cultural stuff. It's very easy to personalize and say, "I'm broken." There's something wrong with me. There's something deeply wrong with this culture, and part of what's wrong with this culture, in my mind, is the uh, profound uh, self sufficiency that we're conditioned in uh because this is in some ways the undoing of village mindedness you know I don't know how do you build community there's a thousand ways to build community how do you destroy it just one way never need anybody yeah never need to ask your neighbor for a cup of sugar never need to have everything yourself yeah well, well if you don't need anybody there's no, there's no real occasion for community and so when people in their businesses say well I'll do everything for everybody well congrats on being self-sufficient but how about this how about you take one little piece of what's needed so you're a holistic practitioner I mean so just a few stories because this can get a little abstract there was a, a woman I did a, a consult with years ago she does uh Ayurvedic nutrition and she came to me with some potential target markets which just seemed lame to me it was like well on female entrepreneurs or I have nothing about it. I just couldn't see the connection. I was like, well, why would they have particular, I don't, I just didn't get it. And finally I said, well, what got you into this? And she said, I had fibromyalgia, uh, cripplingly. It was very bad. I just couldn't do much. I've never had it, but I, I understand it's pretty awful. And she said, and I tried everything. I tried the, the drugs, the, almost like the chemo that they have for this. I tried the, um, every damn thing, nothing worked ultimately. And so, then I found this out of your nutrition. Now I'm fine. Three years later, no symptoms. I, I just, we're talking, I just paused. And I said, why don't you help them? <laughs> and that thought never occurred to her. Yeah. But of course, how perfect is it that she should do this? That she would want to do this. There was a woman in a, I just did a day-long workshop online. And a woman, uh, Iris, she was, she does gardening stuff. And she just said, and it's a kind of therapeutic way she goes about it. She said, people have come to me and yeah you're crying because just by having their hands in the soil and doing the work the way she's guiding them to do it they're working through stuff in their life and it's like okay yeah you're you you do not have to try to be everything you don't have to be the gardening teacher that everyone loves you just do it your way and the the right people find you you know there was a life coach who uh was going to stop being a life coach because he liked hiking he's an outdoorsy person but he, if we're builds a life coaching business now he's on his laptop at home or cafes all day and he was just he was about to just end the business no way but then one of the friends said why don't you just get a bluetooth headset and you go out and you talk while you you know coach while you hike oh, i'd be out of breath no one would do it. well why don't you ask And of course people were not only excited people wanted to go hiking with him <laughs> so you understand what i'm saying he's he was raising his hand and saying there's something different about me the thing that he thought might end his career ended up being the beginning of his actual career Mm -hmm. of doing this kind of coaching where it's we're not going to do a one-hour session we're going out for like three hours or five hours or the whole day and we're going to hike I'm going to give you a question to think on while we hike and then you know it'll be that kind of experience so there's there's a lot of it, it could be your niche could be what you do uh, for whom you do it, how you do it, where, when you do it, why you do it. Oh, there's all sorts of things. But if you're willing to not try to be everything for everybody, not try to please the world, but just try to be useful yeah. to to a certain group of people, to a certain place. And then and then you you get dumbfounded by all the things you can't do, that you don't do or won't do and probably shouldn't do. And then you find all the other people who do those things. And that this is where the ecosystem comes from. And then you actually get to belong to this, this um, community, this marketplace. Yeah. You get to have your stall. You don't have to sell everything at the stall. You sell your thing that you're really good at. So it doesn't overwhelm people. And so you make, I don't know, wooden spoons. And people say, well, you make the most beautiful wooden spoons, thank you. Hey, you know who makes wooden bowls? Well, not me, but you know, over there, somebody did yeah. And then it's, and this is the other thing is I often say, if you, it's just a little practical marketing tip for, for people. If you ever go to a networking event, if we're ever allowed to get together in person again, <laughs> uh, I think things return to the world, you know, it's, it's understandably uh, anxiety producing to go to go networking for yourself. Because what the hell does this look like? You walk around giving out your business card to everyone, telling them how great you are. Or what are you even trying to do? But what if this? What if you go to the networking event with a colleague of yours who you really love? You know, so Dakota and I go to a, a networking event, and so instead of networking for me, I network for Dakota. Mm-hmm i just chatting with people. so what do you I have this business marketing for hippies and uh, oh yeah that's interesting what's that about and I tell him I said but I say yeah you know I'm here with my friend Dakota and uh, he does this oh my god it's the most amazing thing I oh that sounds really fascinating hey Dakota come over here and I can rave I could say things about Dakota that would be utterly inappropriate for me to say about myself because uh, it'd be too over the top but not for a friend and so the, I, mean, I was talking with a rabbi my mom was getting life coaching from a rabbi we're not Jewish <laughs> at all. But somehow because it's it was you know it's the 2000 teens and and you you're a rabbi life coach why not so she did for a while and he was really lovely but she he confessed that he wasn't very good at marketing and and i told my mom i said well you just tell him he gets a free session with yeah. me just he was so good to you and so we talked and he was saying uh he said, you know, I, I I speak at these synagogues and I, I feel very strange about these home study courses, but to, to say that at the end of my, you know, hey, go buy this thing, it feels very, like this would be very strange. And I said, you're right. That would be weird to have the rabbi suddenly pitching you. But, you know, if the rabbi who brought you in mentioned it, just like thank you rabbi michael for coming in uh you know rabbi michael has a website like all the kids do the what is it rabbi michael right okay thank you that's his website uh he's got some you can learn they call them the home home learning home anyways you go to his website you can learn some more if you're interested uh if you like what he had to say thank you okay uh basil tough and you know on you go and then it's not strange or minimally strange, you know, cause it's, it's not coming from you. You're not promoting yourself. And people often say, but I feel so strange promoting myself. Well, it's like, well, why are you? Mm-hmm. You think that's the only way it can be? Is that you walk around saying how great you are? You know, that's the cold level of marketing is you approach strangers and try to convince them you're amazing. But there's this warm level of marketing where it's this, you're connecting with hubs. You know, instead of, uh, if you go to a party by yourself, First of all, you go to a party not looking for potential clients, you go looking for hubs. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing you do is you go up to the host and you say, thank you so much for hosting this party. I'm having a great time. They say, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming. And um, maybe you don't know them. Oh, and who are you? Oh, uh, my name's Tad of this business marketing. Oh, cool business. Wow. wow. Um, How's the night going? It's going so great. And, you know, I was wondering, is there anyone here? who is kind of connected, like I work with a lot of life coaches, permaculture people, holistic practice. Is there anyone here who's kind of connected to that scene? Huh, yeah, come with me. And then they introduce me, but now I've got the host introducing me. You see what I'm saying? There's a much more organic way to do this. And we tend to think of marketing as being about uh, how how do I kind of find my ideal clients? How do I search for them? But the paradigm shift I might offer is, how do you make it easy for them to find you?
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, Because they're looking for you. There are people who, if you're not trying to be everything to everybody, if you're offering a specific something in a specific way, there really probably are people who are looking for that. Chances are good. I mean, this is where the market research comes in. But you make it really easy for them to find you. and Part of the way you do that is a lot of partnerships, a lot of the right people knowing who you are. And then, then uh, people just kind of find you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and then it like it's it's not like as you're describing. It's like that's what a community is. It's like that's that's marketing. That's yes. That's yeah. the, that's the dance of, of of people exchanging their needs and yields with each other, and, and it turns into something beautiful. Versus, um, you know, so much of, of of business, like you were saying, is is either. You know, basically tricking people into buying something right. so that they can either, you know, basically they can feel good about themselves or, or make a bunch of money versus like, yeah, understanding that people have needs and so do you and you, but you also have yields and, and so do they. And it's like, can we find some way to exchange And It's like, it's this beautiful, um, absolutely beautiful thing that I, I never thought would be, would be possible.
1: Well, and you know, it's interesting, I mean, I wrote a whole book, it was called something who am I to teach and get paid for it, sort of around all these questions. Yeah. Uh, And I just admire anyone who's willing to ask the question. It's because there's a kind of integrity, the question is coming from of of not wanting to, not wanting to manipulate, not wanting to take advantage and and bless, bless anyone who's, who's wondering that (laughs) Um, it's. But yeah, it's like you're saying, they have needs and yields and we have needs and yields. Yeah. And so the thing that we have to yield is whatever product or service we're offering. Yeah. But we also, the need we have, at least in this culture, is, is money. Mm-hmm. And there's something strangely arrogant about the, the giving it away for free or something. It's like, yeah. oh, you're the one.
0: Yeah.
1: You're the one that doesn't need anything
0: yeah it, I, it's, uh, you know, you're it's, it's it's this um the so in, in the in the book that that rob michelle and i just wrote we um we have this uh, we call it the three paradigms which is similar to actually uh, that your um the, the first time i heard about the the collapsing posturing or composed yeah. um that it was, it was another kind of paradigm shift for me and i started to realize that there was that, that kind of expanded into a bunch of other things. And so we, we kind of refer to it as the sustainable, the degenerative or the regenerative paradigm. Yeah. And so that the sustainable paradigm is, is based on this idea of same thing. It's like, it's a lose-win attitude. You know, I'll suffer so you can benefit. It's all about conservation. No, 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 I don't need anything. I'm all set. I'm just gonna give and give. And, and then the, the degenerative paradigm, you know, same thing. It's, it's the win-lose. Uh, it's all about, but the, the, the core thing, and, and this is kind of coming back to a question I originally asked, which is like, where, where do you think this, this uncomfortableness around business comes from? And um, the, 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 the core aspect that, that we found is within the sustainable, degenerative generative paradigm is that both people in those groups see themselves as human beings as separate from the natural world amen but but the sustainable paradigm sees humans as separate and less than
1: oh boy yeah yeah and
0: the, and the degenerative paradigm is we're humans are separate but we're better than
1: oh man that's beautiful
0: and and but and then the, the regenerative paradigm says no no we are nature
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, we're, we're, we're part of this web and um and so the that was one piece i wanted to mention the, the other thing was uh, that came up for me is uh, and I want to get your thoughts on this, too, is, um, th- and this is actually, <laughs> this is a dig at me, is because is I used to be very collapsing myself. And, and I, I started to notice that, um, you know, one of the reasons why people, I, I'll speak for myself, why I wanted to give and give and give and give is because it offered a really easy scapegoat for when I failed, it's because, Oh, well, I, I gave, I gave too much, you know, I, I'm just, I'm doing too many things. I'm just so busy. That's why I couldn't do a good job on that. Versus when yeah. I got really clear about what, like what, what am I good at? What am I really passionate about? Um, you know, the, all those different things. And, and it's like, and I, I want to focus on that so I can do as good of a job as I possibly can, because that's what service to others means service to others. Doesn't mean, you know, you just, you just give and give and give it's it's realizing that you yourself need some kind of a service as well and and to try to find that balance and um yeah that and and so all those ideas kind of stemmed from that that original like you know three-hour course that i took from you about like how does (laughs) how do you sell your shit
2: (laughs) amazing amazing.
1: I, i love this the less than and better than and yeah, you know, and of course it's, it's not surprising we're we hate business and money. Look what's happened. Look what it's been used for around the world. It's been, uh, 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 you know, things have happened on our watch and our parents watch and our grandparents watch to do with economics and finance and money has been used in horrible ways to hurt people. Uh, we've been hurt by it. And we ourselves have used it to hurt others um you know everyone's got their they're just wounds that's a real thing around money it's often so connected to power for people and uh it's and and yeah look at business and marketing so much of it we, we you, you know you don't usually get around a sit-around and experience and say hey what's the best experience you've had with marketing you know it's it, this doesn't come up in conversation if people talk about marketing it's it's as a necessary evil yeah uh you, you got do that to do the real work. And what I'm proposing, this is interesting. I mean, literally just today, um, let's see if I actually can see this. I got a message from one of my clients who's uh, in England. And I talk a lot about this idea of point of view marketing. And basically the idea is instead of trying to like pitch people to buy from you, just share how you see the world, share how you see the issue. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you have, you have uh, fibromyalgia. Well, here's my take on it my opinion about it. And you just share that you're generous with your content, you're stingy with your time, but you share that for free in videos, blog posts, you know, podcasts, you share the perspectives, the context, the philosophy, the the worldview, the, you know, your take on things that goes out uh, basically for free and you're real generous, but um, you're doing it not to convince people to buy from you. You're doing your best. Yes, you're trying to make a case for something, but the case isn't to buy from you. You know, most, uh, one of the things I recommend for a lot of service providers, if you're looking for something tactical is to have a kind of what I call an intro workshop. The intro workshop is where you just say, look, you are you got this problem, you want this result. Here's my take on how you get from the problem to the result from point A to point B. This is my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a lot of the times when we see marketing kind of the first third of it is them telling their sob story and sticking the knife in how much it hurts and twisting it around. Um, and pointing out how clueless you are and how many pieces you're missing, and aren't you stupid? And then the last half hour, the middle half hour is the content. Let's say if it's an hour and a half, and the last half hour is the pitch. And what I'm saying is, you know, if you can imagine a, a book, you know, like War and Peace, well, the front cover, that's the are you in the right place? Here's why you're here. It's it's very small. You don't, the, don't need very much. The back cover is the pitch, but the text, that's most of the workshop. And so uh, I work with a lot of my clients to design something like this. And here's, this is a message a client sent me. Morning, Claire. I just wanted to say, thanks for yesterday's workshop. You were brilliant. I honestly looked on the genuine odd the way you held the room and the uh, way in which you spoke about a topic you're clearly so passionate about. I really enjoyed this session. And as a logical person, love the pyramid model, something I helped her come up with. It really helped focus my mind. So you know you start to get these kind of notes. I mean, I went to Dakota's workshop at the Edmonton Resilience Festival where he talked about uh, bones, fats, and organs, and and it was amazing. And there wasn't a big, huge pitch. But I can tell you what: a lot of people at the end were like, "How do I get stuff from you?" And you know, <laughs> because um, they could see some solution to what they had, and so marketing can really just be that it can be sh- going out and sharing your perspective mm-hmm. the reason i think one of the another reasons marketing feels so terrible is people feel like well i feel weird about marketing myself and I, I look at people and say what makes you think that's what's happening that that's what you're doing that you're a product to be sold oh but but it's me i'm a massage therapist so it's me or i'm a life coach or i'm a therapist so i'm selling me no you're not what you're doing is you're saying do you have this problem because i don't help everybody kind of limited scope but do you have this type of issue that you're struggling with and the more specific you know in a lot of cases the better uh oh yes i do i do have that issue okay well um i mean this is who i am this is my personality love it or leave it kind of because it's not going to change basically uh you know if you can't fix it feature it so this is me so you're just sharing yourself and then you're sharing your point of view you're saying well if we were to work together this is kind of how i go about it and then at the end the pitch is basically just so what do you think we should do or mm-hmm. what do you want to do or what, like it's just a kind of over to you because you're acknowledging they're the one that they're going to decide anyways it's not up to you and this you know i i use this example a lot if you do that type of an intro workshop and by the way this could be a conversation this could be an actual presentation it could be a book it could be if at the end of it they're leaning in and they're just oh my god that is the greatest thing I've ever heard I mean I'll say when you know when I was at years to go I mean I was leaning everyone was just so compelled so if people are leaning in uh, or let's say this one with the, the Ayurveda, the fibromyalgia. Um, and they're saying, oh my God, I have fibromyalgia, it's the worst, this, what she's saying makes so much sense. Now it makes sense why it didn't work with the other approaches and why this could work. And they're excited. And then her pitch is terrible. It's so bad. It's, it's shocking. It's the record scratching sound, you know, in movies, it's just at the end it says, so anyways, uh, thanks for coming to my presentation. If you'd like to work with me, uh, boy, that would be a change because nobody else loves me. After my husband left and my father left as a child, it's been a real pattern. You probably just gonna leave too, see like It was literally that. (laughs) And everyone sitting back just, whoa, that was crazy. (laughs) Still, even if it's that bad, you might go up and say, look, you have some issues. Yeah, That's abundantly clear. (laughs) Therapy might be good, but this fibromyalgia is killing me. Mm do you offer therapy or help with this or sessions? Do you have anything I could buy? Like people would amazingly fight you through incredible awkwardness. Um, but if they're leaning out, if by the end of the presentation, they're just saying like, this is the biggest pile of horse shit I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe I sat through that. Yeah. This is a joke. And then you do the smoothest pitch, who cares? So it's not about the pitch. People, when people think about marketing, they tend to think, oh, it's how do I sell myself? What's the razzle dazzle? What's the hypnotic language I use? What's the clothes that I'm supposed to say? You know, and it's all garbage because it's not garbage. It's I'm not saying be awkward at the end. I'm saying, yeah, you be thoughtful about how you present things. Think about a good package, you know, work out the pricing, make sure it's actually a good deal that people would be stoked about and test that. But then when you share it, it's just it's, it's the grace note at the very end of everything, it's the, oh, and by the way, if you want this, uh, let me just take a couple of minutes to walk you through it. You're just kind of going over the details and logistics. Mm -hmm. Um, That's it. It's, it's, it's like the icing on the the cake, but it's, and icing is delicious. So let's not uh, just, you know, disqualify icing, but, but the the cake is the thing, you know, it's the, that's the main thing. So we're not, we're not selling ourselves. You're not uh, trying to, persuade anyone to buy from you in my mind this is the way i approach marketing legitimately that's not your intention and that's not a sneaky kind of subconscious mind hack it's just you're going in utterly uncertain if you can help them
2: yeah
1: trying to find out if that might be true and if you can then you're just saying okay well let's see i think i might be able to help you let's talk this out and if you notice them getting um squirrely like they feel like they're being cornered well maybe you're cornered but you just you can lean back you don't lean in and push harder you lean back say okay well time out I'm not trying to convince you I don't know if this is a fit for sure I think it might be it sounds like it could be if I can't help you I'd be happy to refer you to somebody else Um, but that's my intention it's just to see if this might be a fit and if it isn't hey no problem
0: yeah, and, and, and that has to be authentic. You have to, you have to mean that when, when it's, and that's what win, win or no deal is. It's like, this is what I do, not a lot of fit for everybody. Um, and, and, and here's 10 other people that do other things as well. Um, if they're a little bit different than me or whatever it is, but like, and, and, and like, I can speak from experience. It's really difficult to, to work through, like kind of deprogramming yourself from all this you know, other cultural baggage we've talked about. When you, but when you get to that point, yeah it's it it like you, when you, your your description about the market and like the, the sound of it and like the feeling of it, like that's literally what it's it's incredible yeah. and and so I, I mean just the one other thing I, I wanted to talk about is like um i mean I, kind of already uh, I, just just to be even more clear about this is like why is this important why is it important yeah. for people to, like more than ever now for people to, to, to figure out what their gift for the world is and find a way to to share that with the world. Like why does why does that matter? Just just a second ted my <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I, I, this is the downside of living above a shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, well while the is gone maybe I'll just oh. get started here. Um, Okay. So the question, oh, you're back. Okay. So, yeah. The question, why is it, why is it important to, to find a way to give the gifts? Well, let me, maybe first I'll talk about the gifts and I'll talk about why I think it's important to, to get the marketing thing. Yeah, My friend, Louis Cardinal, who I think you might know in Edmonton, he's a Cree fellow, a yeah. uh, really beautiful man. Yeah, but He was saying his elders had told him that, you know, when we're babies, we come into the world with our fists all balled up because we're coming with something on our hands for the world. And this is the whole, one of the central purposes of culture, of any culture worthy of the name culture is to figure out what they brought and to support them in, in giving this. And of course we don't have that, we, most of us didn't grow up in that culture. So it becomes a little more difficult to find out what that is. But you know, that would be my understanding of, of it is uh, there's a reason we have these gifts and it's not for us primarily. Um, and yet the beauty of the arrangement is it's in giving those particular gifts that were the most fulfilled. You know, some people are really good at spreadsheets and, and mm-hmm. administrivia and they love it and it brings them alive. And some people are the extroverts and they love being with people. And it's amazing the, the diversity there is in the world. And it's so important that we're not Again, this is the niching thing. You don't shoehorn yourself into being this thing that you think everyone else wants or needs. But there, there's something you 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 already there's something you're bringing. I think that's how it seems to me. And it, it and it and I'm I'm banking on this that um, whoever crafts us and fashions us maybe has a longer view of what's happening in this world, and they, and we're here born in the time and place we are with the gifts we have for a reason. That is a a very precise antidote to the troubles of the place and the times that we're in. That's that's my own personal sense of it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the marketing, there's a number of reasons beyond the money. I mean, obviously, you get better marketing, you make more money. Great. But beyond that, there's a number of reasons. One is we have so many of the solutions to the troubles of our you know time but if nobody knows that they exist or nobody understands what they are functionally they do not exist i mean you know just insert hilarious montage of videos of people trying to explain permaculture using the word permaculture to people who've never heard of it and <laughs> terrible marketing nobody knows people don't know what it is and so marketing is fundamentally an act of translation. So We're trying to take these things that are so important and make sure that people, number one, find out about them and number two, can understand in very clear terms where we're not pontificating from on high in some arrogant, academic, condescending way, but we're, we're really speaking to people's lived experience. Um, so that's number one. Number two is if you get good at marketing, you are well, first of all, it, marketing yourself is just the hardest thing. It's, this is one of the, the, the more hopeless endeavors because we're so full of blind spots with our own stuff. You can't see your own troubles. You write your homepage enough times and you just couldn't see any typos in it if there were a dozen of them. So it's very helpful sometimes. Literally just a friend sits down and reads it and says, oh, here's the, the oh, there you go. That's the trouble and this is the trouble. So you get to be that for other people. But if you also understand marketing you will probably be even more helpful in the marketing of your friends and colleagues than you could be for your own stuff. And so if you love the work that your friends and colleagues do, and you would like to support it, I promise you, they're all struggling with marketing. And if you have a a grip on this, you get to be able to help them in a way they frankly can't help themselves. They're incapacitated to, they just don't, they just can't. And, um, This is just such an important skill. And then also just as we get better at marketing, we um, if we're doing it in this way, we're also spreading different understandings of the world as we do it. And whether or not people buy from us, they can leave reading a sales letter, going to a presentation, maybe seeing the world a little different than they did. And maybe a lot of reasons wouldn't be a fit. They might sit through and say it was brilliant, but he looks too much like my ex-boyfriend, couldn't couldn't work with him. Or I just can't afford it right now. Or, oh, the timing on that is bad. Or, um, boy, I could have used that a month ago, but not. There's a lot of reasons why. that's legitimate, it's not a fit, of course. But then if they also, if you're good at it and you've shared this philosophy and point of view, then there's a word of mouth that will happen. Even those people that didn't work with you often refer uh, to you as well. Um, and the other reason is, well, shit, you, you got to market anyway, so you might as well do it in a way that feels good. If you got to do it, why, why make everyone miserable, yourself and the others? But you know, one of the last things I'd say is, and this is not something I, I find myself surprised to be advocating for this in, in the way that I imagine I'll be doing in the coming years. With the lockdowns, we're seeing the destruction of local economies. Um, everyone, wherever you are watching this, you've, you're seeing it. Your favorite restaurants are closing down. That favorite bar you have is shutting down or about to. And next year, a lot of the ones that haven't, will. Uh, a lot of independent local businesses are going under. Uh, Amazon is not going under. Target and Walmart are not, you know, they're not troubled by this at all. And uh, they're they're doing very well. And so the need, and, and you know, of course there's all sorts of troubles that come from this. When the local economies are destroyed, and this isn't new to the lockdowns, this is just an acceleration of something that has been happening for a long time when Walmart started going into local communities and destroying Main Street. But more and more money leaves the economy. Where do you think it's going? Well, it's going to these um, corporate headquarters. You know, Jeff Bezos is getting loaded while our communities are becoming more and more poor. Every dollar we spend at these monoliths is um, leaves and never comes back to our community. But the money we spend locally stays. Mm-hmm. We need to have these local businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I mean, would I love to see a world without business and money? Yes. Would I be a fan of a return to a much more traditional way of living? Amen. I mean, and may may our great grandchildren get to see something like that. But in the meantime, uh, we got these local businesses and they're so vital. They're so vital because otherwise it's the chain stores. You know, Starbucks isn't going out of business. Mm All the ch- So is this what's gonna be left at the end of this? No more local businesses, no more mom and pop shops, or they all secretly get bought out <laughs> behind the scenes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's all Airbnb now owned by, you know, one person owns a hundred properties, buying it up in the downtimes like this. It's the, the need for good people doing good businesses to be building local, um, ideally communities, you know, uh, and, and keeping the money circulating I'm a fan of it, you know, and I'll, I'll do whatever I can to support that happening. But it's it's just so vital right now because it's starting to happen very fast. Uh, this this um, what looks like a controlled demolition mm-hmm. of this global economy, you know, as as we uh, hear about this great reset and the and who knows what's going on. But it's um, it doesn't look like the other side of this. Without a lot of effort, is going to be more local, more mama pop shops, the return of Main Street, um, you know, uh, local currencies and, and local food. It seems to be going in some other strange direction of, of the um, lab grown meats, yeah, you know, and the uh, the, the very opposite. Uh, you know, I I, I worry sometimes about robots growing our food and and delivering it to us instead of local farmers ah and this is the the other last reason if you do well with your business um you know you're not you're not charged the highest price but it's a fair price if you can do that then you can afford to support some of these businesses too yeah you'll have the financial means to be able to um to do that and that's that's something. It's it's a beautiful thing to be able to be somebody in your community who's got the business solid enough that yeah. now you can the cup is spilling over. And you could even give loans to people. Yeah. You say, hey, let me help you out here with this. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah.
0: On, and and that's that's that that paradigm shift versus one of the other aspects of like the sustainable paradigm or the collapsing paradigm is is how do I do less bad? You know, how do I make myself smaller so that my my footprint is smaller and I'm not, you know, I'm hurting less people um, versus, the, you know, the degenerative paradigm is, is how do I get more goods and, and and more for myself versus the regenerative paradigm or this this composed paradigm is, is how do I do more good? You know, how, how do I how do I get my cup so full that it spills over, like you just said, and the, the it's, it's a it's a subtle shift, but when you make that that shift like like you said like that's that's where culture comes from that's where community Mm -hmm. comes from and and yeah we're we're a long ways off of i think you know the the society and civilization that's possible but as you as you just said like the the trend right now is the centralization of power into fewer and fewer hands and and that for me is what all this is about it's you know it's it's the the you know whether it is a, uh, whether it's by design or by default is, is irrelevant. Like there, all of these small businesses and, and all these individuals and, you know, the world economic forum is talking about, you know, there won't be private property in the future. Um, You know, you'll, you'll basically, it'll be a company store model. Everyone will work for Amazon and they'll get everything from Amazon and you'll love it. And so this is the other piece of like why marketing matters is because like if, if you don't want to be a slave and this is kind of the opposite between like self-sufficiency and, Uh, and like, and being a slave, those are kind of like the two opposite, you know, paradigms versus, you know, the the people needing everything from something else and having nothing to give back except for, you know, you know, well, if if machines and technocracy takes over, we, we won't even have that. And then you know the whole part of that is that well, what gives your life meaning? Well, it's it's doing things, it's providing service to others, it's it's creating value. And you know, like you the you were saying from um, the indigenous man, like yeah. you, coming into the world with your hands closed and then being able to open those up and and I can't remember who said it was I me, mean, it was Picasso, it was like the, the the meaning of life is to find your gift, the purpose of life is to give it away. It's like that is what makes m- me so happy, is when I when like the thing that I'm good at. And I can, and I can give that to somebody else and, and, and be fairly, you know, compensated for that. And, and, and they love it. Like there's, there's, there's nothing else or few things else in my life that have given me more well being than that. And, and just, just to kind of riff off a few of the give, to give some examples of some of the reasons why you gave it's why it's important for you to be good at marketing. I, uh, one of them was you had said um, that like, if you're good at marketing yourself, you can be better at helping other people market themselves. And one of my absolute favorite things has been, uh, you know, what <laughs> some of my friends who are involved in farming and stuff like that, like, now that I'm sold out, I don't uh. want, my, I don't want my farm to get any bigger. Like, uh, perfect. Like, the, the, you know, I, I'm, you know, part of permaculture is, is understanding what your limits are and the carrying capacity of your land. So now that I'm sold out, I love it when people say, "Oh my God, I love your website! I want to buy your stuff." It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sold out. Like I've got, I have, I've got my 60 families, and like I'm probably never gonna have anything ever to sell ever again. But like, here's here's another farm. Here's one of my students who took, you know, who's doing this amazing stuff. And huh. and like one of, one of my friends, I I gave him like twenty or thirty thousand dollars of the business this year. Like that. And that was like I just I loved it and then he sold out. and so he was passing on to somebody else. And so now there's more small farms. and and now I have small farms that I can work with so that you know, you know, when I need a boar to breed my my pigs, like I, I don't have to, like there's a place for me to get that. It's like, you know, the all these things, like it's all it's all connected, but it, it can it can all feel good and it can all be this beautiful, relationship that you said that that helps provide that that sustenance for us and um yeah it's it's like this is this is what we need to move towards and 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 part of that is taking responsibility figuring out what your gift is finding a way to clearly communicate that with the world and 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 offering that because otherwise we're we're going to end up you know with nothing to do basically as as cogs in a machine and that's not a future that i think very many people want boy amen
1: you know as as we amble towards a close here the uh it, it does feel like there's a sort of choice point coming yeah of, of, you know i was thinking about what this just to go on to the the deep side for a second <laughs> is is um I was thinking about, you know, what is the opposite of, the thought came to me that death is clearly not the opposite of life. Yeah. You know, because death feeds life. You know, what is soil? It's everything that failed to live forever. (laughs) So it's, that's, but that's what grows our food. Yeah. This is what life comes from. And so there's clearly, it's a marriage of some kind. It's a love affair that that life and death have with each other. Um, There's a, a, a mutual feeding. and sustenance and relationship there but machine Mm. could be the opposite of life Mm. and this this direction we're going towards increased reliance on machines and then eventually god if some people get their way we we merge with machines and um and it's a very i'll just say personally to me that's an anti-human world that's not a world i want to live in and remember somebody said you know the two most important days in your life it's the day you were born and then it's the day you realize who was born.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, and this quote, I just wanna share, do you know Judy Wicks? She ran the White Dog Cafe in Philly.
0: Okay. She was
1: amazing. amazing. It was like a one of the first fair trade organic restaurants in Philly. And she just was incredible. And she, her, her tagline, she said, I use good food to lure innocent customers into social activism. <laughs> And, uh, and she had this um, quote, and she said this about the local living economies movement, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we've been talking about. And as a contrast to the, you know, Dave Corton talked about the, the suicide economy, this economy that we're in that's clearly doesn't seem to have a will to live because it keeps undermining the capacity for it to, to live by destroying its land bases. Yeah. But then there's this local living economy, and this is what she had to say about it. The local living economies movement is about maximizing relationships not maximizing profits, broad-based ownership and democracy, not concentrated wealth and power, sharing, not hoarding, life-serving, not self-serving, partnership, not domination, cooperation-based, not competition-based, win-win exchange, not win-lose exploitation, creativity, not conformity, a living return, not the highest return, a living wage, not a minimum wage, a fair price, not the lowest price being more, not having more, interconnectedness, not separation, inclusion, not exclusiveness, community and collective joy, not isolation and unhappiness, cultural diversity, not monoculture, biodiversity, not monocrops, family farms, not factory farms, slow food, not fast food, our bucks, not Starbucks, our mart, not Walmart, a love of life, not a love of money.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a great place to, to end (laughs) as a, as a vision of what's possible when, when people, you know, figure out a way to, to offer their, their gifts to the world and, and, um, and figure out how to, how to market. So, the ted you have a ton of uh resources and and stuff online where where can people go to to connect with you and 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 learn more about the amazing work that you've done
1: thanks yeah generally you can go to marketingforhippies.com uh from there you'll see links to my youtube i've got a soundcloud as well soundcloud.com marketing for hippies there's a lot there um and then if you listen to this post, February 10th of 2021, I've got a membership program that's open up on a monthly basis. Um, and so if you go to marketingforhippies.com slash membership, $25 a month or $100 a month. Um, and then if you want to work with me one-on-one, I've got some sessions open from time to time, which is marketingforhippies.com slash puttering. And you can just always email me Ted, at marketingforhippies.com
0: awesome so I, i'm gonna I'll, I'll throw the uh the link to that down in the in the show notes right. and uh yeah any any parting words before we uh we say good night
1: man just that i'm missing you all i'm here <laughs> in Korea and i'm happy to be here I'm, I'm not minding the weather at all um but boy i tell you what i'm missing all of you in the prairies a lot you're, you're in my thoughts in these in these strange days and uh I'm looking forward to coming back and I couldn't imagine a better company to be in.
0: Yeah, likewise, brother. Okay, take care, Todd. We'll see you around. See you around. Good night.